What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode, another Monday rundown of the Sorry to Interrupt podcast, brought to you, as always, by SorrySports.com. This week, Sean and I jumped right in. We talked even more Yankees, more injuries to go over, more depressing stuff. We went over Yankees camp. Following that, we talked some NBA. We talked about the Knicks debacle, unfortunately. After that, we went around the league a little bit. Next, we talked about college basketball with the up-and-coming March Madness. And then after that, we did a little bit of politics and some pop culture. We'll be back next week at some point with another Monday rundown on a random day. So enjoy the pod. Follow us on Twitter at Sorry Sports, on Instagram, Sorry underscore Sports. Check out the website, the best website in the world, SorrySports.com. And if you have anything to say, shoot us an email, SorrySports at Yahoo.com. And again, enjoy the pod. studio today. Sean is not. You can probably tell by the quality of my mic that I am back. I'm better than ever. I don't know about you, buddy. How are you? I feel good. I feel good. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm home, you know, not quarantined because of coronavirus. So <laughs> don't start throwing that shit out there. <laughs> you knew that was my next statement. You, I did. You know me too I, well. I had to beat you to the punch on that <laughs> one. But uh, no, man, everything's good. You uh, and Mike are still cleared to kiss? We're still clear to kiss, uh, and you know, uh, I know you said you wanted to give me one too, so you we're know, good to I'll go. Be good for that, nice. I'll be good for that too. Green um, light, nice. Yeah, well, one guy that doesn't have the green light is uh, Aaron Judge, and you know, we we commiserated over Yankee injuries last week, and we're unfortunately going to have to do it again because I don't know how many goddamn tests there have to be to decide what's wrong with Aaron Judge. Um, but he's feeling this soreness in his pec shoulder area that's stopping him from swinging a bat and throwing a ball. And I don't care what he says or what the Yankees say about optimism for opening day. It's not happening. We're three weeks exactly to the day from opening day. And he hasn't gotten into the game yet. He's not close. So, you know, I think it's fair to say, as shitty as it is, Aaron Judge is injury prone. And is this something, let's just talk about a bigger picture. Is this something we're going to have to worry about for the rest of his career? Absolutely. It we've, had like to, always something. we've had to worry about it from, from his career so far. What makes you think him getting older is going to make him any better? He's going to get worse. That's the concern. And, you know, I don't know what this is. And again, it, it once it comes out or, you know, however the Yankees decide to define this thing, all I know is that this the an MVP-type right fielder will not be playing. And we can talk about the Yankees' depth. And, you know, quite frankly, as we talked about last week, dude, the Yankees are probably going to be fine in the regular season, right? I mean, Frazier's going to play. Talkman's going to play. You get Miguel Andujar back, who's going to play some left field as well. You've got Guardy back. I mean, this team's going to be fine regular season-wise. But... I don't know what they what these guys are going to be if we get into the postseason. Can you trust them to be to even get through three rounds of the playoffs? And then, of course, going forward, 
you know, Aaron Judge, everybody says, is the face of the Yankee franchise. It's hard to be the face of the franchise when you're constantly on the shelf. Yeah, right, when you can't even play. So <clears throat> between Stanton and obviously Judge, you're the expert on uh, the human body, I guess we'll say on this podcast. So what, what do you think? What do you think they're doing wrong? I suggested a lot of yoga last week. You could move into Pilates. We could go over all those different types of body weight workouts and whatnot. You think they're just spending too much time in the weight room? I don't really. Are they know. just big bodied? I mean, I don't think the I mean, the mass helps. No, I mean, but again, you know, this isn't an injury that we know yet. You know, this isn't. I don't know if this is soft tissue. I don't know if it's you know, some kind of strain. I don't know if it's some kind of... Wouldn't you just assume it's soft tissue, though? Because if it was anything other than soft tissue, they'd, they'd be easy, they'd, it'd be easier for them to diagnose it, right? Well, you'd think so. I mean, they've had this problem before, though, defining, you know, uh, you know, some kind of nerve issue or something like that. That's obviously, it doesn't seem just based off the region of the body, unless it's, or, you know, originating from somewhere else that this is, that this pain is something like of that nature. But the fact that he's gone through seven to 10 tests, I think was the number that came out and he still wants more. I mean, clearly something's wrong. Something's bothering him. He says he could play, but there's a difference between being able to play and playing like Aaron judge. And it's just frustrating, man. I mean, here we go again with this. We talked about it last week. I don't want to repeat myself. I know you don't want to do the same. It's just wild to me. that, And, and, and I think for the first time, you know, Yankee fans want to get on Stanton. That's fine. You want to get on Severino and Hicks, sure. You got to unfortunately look at Aaron Judge in the same light as all of those other players. You do. Absolutely. So... I don't know what kind of payday he's going to be in line for, but if I'm the Yankees, I look at him this, during this year and I offer him a five-year extension, and which should take him to about 33, 34. And if I'm Aaron Judge, I think I might take that because he's done nothing to indicate that he's going to be healthy enough to warrant the kind of contract, say, like a Mookie Betts is going to get this coming winter, you know? So... I'm not. I'm not entirely sure what, what can, what could be his mindset right now. If you were him, what would you be thinking right now? I mean, take the money and run. You've been. I, I, we already said it earlier. You've been injured every year, except his rookie year. Yeah, it's. Uh, it's concerning, it's my that, friend. It, it, it's just very disappointing. It's very disappointing. It's. Um, it's obviously something that the Yankees, him. And baseball fans, you know, it it definitely is diminished return when he's not playing. And no matter how many games the Yankees win, no matter how fun other guys are like Frazier and Talkman and Andujar, again, they'll be fine. It's not Aaron Judge and it's not Giancarlo. Um, anything else from Yankee camp standing out at you besides the injuries? I saw a Bleacher Report on Bleacher Report today that, um, <clears throat> sorry, I'm just getting really upset about the Knicks and, and Aaron Judge and whatnot. I just, uh, I don't know. That was tough. Yeah, um, I seem upset. They're, they're looking to grab another starter after the Severino news. So, again, I mean, it's like, do you want to keep this depth because clearly none of your main guys can stay healthy or, or do you want to take advantage of having some of this 
and go out and get get a top line top flight starter, or maybe they'll go mid market. Well, my question is: is who the hell is available right now? That's that's a real. Difference. I think they're going to have to wait till the trade deadline. Oh yeah, totally. I agree, and and you know, you're going to have to look at it in the short term again, right? It, it, the guys the Yankees have right now, you know, you have a Garrett Cole who's better than any front line starter that they had last year. So you bring him in. You've still got Tanaka. Hap has had an outstanding spring. Who knows what that means, but remember, he was better in the second half last year. So those are three. Then you've got Montgomery, who's had success. We both are fans of his. And then you've got options such as Clark Schmidt, who's had a great spring training. You've got Loizaga, who he's battled his own injuries, but when he's been on the mound, he's been very good. You know, you have you could go the opener route w- with Chad Green and then piggyback another one of those guys, a Michael King. He's another option. Guys who are ready to be on the big league roster and pitch, and maybe not, you know, from the traditional starter sense. But you only need that for a few for about a month and a half or so before Paxton comes back, and then you've got Domingo Herman, who was a, ready to be a twenty game winner last year. I think he had sixteen when um, his suspension hit. And he's going to come back in mid-June. So the big picture really looks pretty damn good. You're just going to have to weather the storm. And I think the lineup, the bullpen, and the reinforcements right now are good enough to do that, don't you? I mean, again, who else is out there for you to go get right now that's going to be a better option than what you have internally? Exactly. I mean, it just comes down to do you really want to waste these prospects if you're looking at the trade market or if you're looking at the free agent market, which is obviously pretty dried up. Is the guy better than what we have right now? No. So why don't we wait till the trade deadline and see how this plays out? I'm right there with you. I, I, I think Cashman likes to put it out there. I think it does kind of light a fire under the ass of some of these young guys who are, you know, knowing that not only are they competing against each other, but against a hypothetical import that could come in and, and take that job. But the Yankees obviously have shown a tremendous ability to acquire and have depth. That's not only ready to come up, but ready to come up and, you know, perform to a high level. Well, I would say so, that's on the offensive side. No, but you've seen it in the pitching staff. I mean, Herman was one of those guys, came out of nowhere and has been very good when he's pitched. You know, Green turned into one of those guys. Even, you know, I hate to say his name because I'm not a fan of his, but Sessa actually had a good year last year. Yeah, well, no, Isaac, that's a good point. Well, Isaac is, you know, you could use him as a starter or a reliever, and he's he's versatile and, and has electric stuff. So I'd say there's some depth in, in, in the organization. A little bit. You know how I feel about Yankees when it comes to pitching. But, I mean, anything else out of camp that you're seeing recently? No, I'm seeing Andujar look very healthy. He, he's looked real good. Um, seems to have that that full ability to, to mash. So that shoulder's not holding them up. That seems to have had a full recovery. I'm interested to see how this roster shakes out because, I mean, you got to imagine, right? If Judge and Stanton aren't ready for opening day, you just IL them right off the bat and say, we'll see you in the end of April or May. There's no reason to rush them back. So, you know, Clint's going to be on this team. Talking's going to be on this team. And Duhar's going to be on this team. I like a Tyler Wade, you know, his versatility. I'm interested to see what they do with Ford and Voight. You know, do, do they carry two strictly first baseman DH types? I'm not sure how they're going to configure this roster. What do you? What would you do if you were? If you take Judge and Stanton out of the mix, probably in whatever order you've got Gardner, Talkman, Frazier, right, as your starting outfielders. 
how else would you kind of fill out that last those last couple bench pieces remember now with a 26th man i need wade in there just because of his versatility as well as his doubles power that seems to have turned into home run power and his speed you can also fill in for glaber at short lemayhew at second you can play the outfield as well as third um and then honestly i think the final couple spots just come down to the two first basemen um i mean maybe you want to carry and an extra first baseman, but not really because Andujar is going to be taking about what I would say, you know, close to 90% of those DH reps, unless he goes ice cold. And then the rest are going to be reserved for kind of a half rest day for Gary Sanchez. And you let the backup play. Yeah, that's a good point, which I think is, you know, remember when may, you can play some first two, you know, Andujar might get a day or two at third. If you give Urshela a day, he might get a day or two in the outfield. If you want to get Gardner off his legs or Frazier or Talkman off his legs. So I think, you know, if you just take Judge and Satan out of there, I think Wade, you know, to your point. Wade has to be on this team. He makes a lot of sense, doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely. I think he's one of the – he's a perfect utility player for this team right now. Because this team isn't the fastest team. He can get in there, not that they play a hell of a lot of small ball, but he can steal you a bag. He plays plus defense at all those positions that that I mentioned. And this this new and improved pop, I mean, he might be playing himself into some more ABs if this can carry over from the spring. Very well could, man. And he's obviously been a guy that they valued because I'm sure other teams have called about him, knowing about his versatility, his upside, and he's hit in, his, in the minor leagues, you know, his – he hasn't really had those moments in the big leagues yet, but he's had very limited opportunities. So now could be his time where he really shows, you know, that value that the Yankees believe he has. And of course um, you got to bring him up. There's another trade chip if he plays well. Oh yeah, for sure. And, and as far as pitching is, you know, whoever rounds out that fifth spot, you know, uh, Boone pretty much said that Montgomery is going to be in the rotation. So there's your first four. And out of the five, you know, I like what I've seen from King. He's risen up the system. Clark Schmidt, remember their first rounder in 2016, who had Tommy John two years ago. He's He looks really sharp. Well, Isaac, obviously, we know what he is. And, you know, you could always have one of those guys if you don't want to push them too far. You know, you have them on the roster, maybe two of those guys on the roster, and Green opens for you every fifth day. Like they, I think the Yankees were – I want to say 11 and two or something in games where green was the starter last year. It was something crazy. And you know that you don't have to have it for a tremendous amount of time, really just a month or so. Yeah. And you have these guys who can obviously Cole can throw a complete game at any minute. Tanaka, same thing. They're, they're going to save the bullpen a lot of innings. So you might as well take advantage and maybe have a bullpen game, you know, every, every two weeks, maybe skip a Luizaga start or whoever's going to grab that spot. Yeah, you could definitely do that. I think that, you know, the, the way that we've seen the Yankees, especially last year, is they're ready for every kind of method, right? And they use that their roster. They, they use do. every single spot. I mean, more last year was out of necessity, but they play every single spot perfectly they the do. whole time. Uh, and it's good because of the way that, you know, if you're going to be this bad at handling injuries, you better be really good at having guys ready to come up and perform for those injured guys. So um, three weeks from today, buddy, can you believe it? It's opening day. A little more depressing than when spring training kicked off with the guys on the IL, but still, I'm still giddy for baseball. Absolutely, man. Great time of year. The clocks are 
whatever they're doing this. Are they going forward or backward? I don't even know. We're losing an hour of sleep. That's it. But it's a good time of year. Spring is coming. It's going to warm up. I'm sick and tired of this cold weather, even though it's been a very, very mild winter. I still don't like anything below 55 degrees. There's your line of demarcation, right? Just about, yeah. I mean, I'll play golf in anything above 32. Have you been getting out on the links at all? A little bit. Uh, life sped up on me the last couple weeks, but I, I played. Honestly, I played a good amount of winter golf this year. I was shocked that some of these courses stayed open, but I did play. And 55 degrees and above means you can take those sleeves off your shirts. There you go. And you're, you know, I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, um, show off those shoulders, buddy. That's exactly right. All right. So I hate to do this to you, my man. But I, I have to give you the floor for a little. I'm going to sit back and just listen to you. More Knicks drama this week. All for the worst. Off the I, court. I, off the team. It, it's just unreal to me. And the worst part was it, it came after beating a Rockets team that was really, really good. Set the stage for everybody in case, you know, you've been living down in a hole. And as the Knicks fan, I really need to just lay out and let you go. So please don't let me down. Let me just start this off by saying I don't have a lot of money, but I will give all of it to somebody that's willing to dig up something on James Dolan that will either have him forced to get rid of the team in some way, put him in jail. I mean, murder is an option. Murder is an option? I'm not opposed to it. I, I think it's crazy. Um, I, I don't ever... You know, I, I don't ever root for murder. I don't I don't condone it. That's but good. Thanks for that. I, if somebody was to email sports at yahoo.com, I'll read this. I'll read the email. Okay. I'm not going to immediately delete it if the subject says, I'll kill James Dolan for you. I'll open it. It's, it's just at that point. So Spike Lee was in a, I guess – Tussle, not a tussle because it didn't get I don't think it got physical but in a, in a verbal altercation because the Knicks won't let him go in the players entrance which apparently every time he's gone to MSG not just for Knicks employee games employee entrance employee yes that's what I meant the employee entrance um, and he uses that entrance for everything that has to do with walking into the garden going to plays he goes to a Rangers game, you name it, it's fucking Spike Lee. Everybody knows what he looks like. And apparently he had done it a few days earlier to go to a play or something like that and then went to go to the Knicks-Rockets game and they wouldn't let him in that entrance. And, of course, it makes national news because the Knicks can't do it on the court. And I don't want to say this is coming on the heels of, but last year they had the whole Charles Oakley debacle. Um and this year they have it with the single celebrity fan who, I, in my opinion, is probably the face of the Knicks at this point because they don't have any players since trading Porzingis that could potentially be R.J. Barrett's not playing well enough or even close to well enough to be that. Um, the one guy who, through it all, has not been banned from the Garden as a celebrity because he won't say anything bad about James Dolan the the one asset that I think you guys should probably hold on to as a celebrity fan, he's our Jack Nicholas, right? Jack Nicholson. Whatever. Jack Nicholas was a golfer. No, that's not a whatever. They're two very different people. Jack Nicholas was the golfer. Yes, you're right. I got to confuse. Holds the record for the most majors. Yeah. Jack Nicholson's the, you know, one of the most famous actors of all time. All right, whatever, dude. You know I'm not a name guy. 
You know I'm not a name guy. We this is this is a fucking it's episode 140 by the way everybody. If you don't know I'm not a name guy yet, then stop listening. The only problem is is that it's not only that you get the name wrong, but you get the 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 celebrities wrong and for people that might not know, now they're thinking Jack Nicholas is showing up in the and you know basically the the lead celebrity of a team. Oh, they know who I'm talking about. <laughs> Nonetheless, what's his name again? Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson, that guy. Um, he's basically okay. our version of him. And, and you kick him out. And, you know, I thought I was at my wit's end. He's clearly at his wit's end because I believe he said he's never going, he's not going to another game this year. And, right. you know, I'm just beaten down, man. I don't even know what to say. It's, it's such a fucking joke. Well, that's what all I can it, say. What makes it really amazing is, you know, the Oakley thing happens three years ago. So, and Spike Lee and Oakley are very close. And, you know, everything gets settled. The lawsuit gets settled with Oakley and it's over now. And Spike's still going to the games. And, you know, he did, he called in the first take. And, and you know, a lot of what, what what's being missed here is, he called into first take after he, you know, went through everything and was escorted down to his seat. And, you know, there's a, a statement put out by the Knicks saying that, you know, they report, they repeatedly told him not to use that entrance, the employee entrance. So the reason that Spike Lee goes on first take and then later on the Michael K show out of New York on 98, seven is he's like, they never told me that. He's like, they never, ever, ever told me that. So I'm being told to leave, and now I've got this whole thing, and the Knicks, a.k.a. James Dolan, sends out this awful PR statement of, you know, the fact that Spike Lee is trying to play the victim in this is laughable. So now you're, you know, quite, you're calling to account his integrity. And, and that's never good, especially, like you said, for the guy that, through it all, and I don't care how you feel about Spike Lee, Spike Lee is one of the great American film directors of, you know, the last 30 years, and he is the New York Knicks face, and he was there against Reggie Miller. He's been going to the Garden for 30 years, rooting for some awful teams, and found a way to piss him off and that's the crazy thing and to me man this just continues to reverberate across the nba landscape to players that don't want any part of going to this organization and you can hire your leon rose you know this former caa agent who is very close with a lot of the players in the league you can hire the you know, who was the marketing guy that they took from the Nets, Steve Stout, who went on first take and already made a fool of himself about three or four weeks ago. You can do all these things. The problem is, is you still got James Dolan. You've still got his tyrannical reign over, over the Knicks. And it just doesn't matter. You know, nobody wants to go to a place that, and, and, Listen, you can get away with some of this shit if you're winning, right? Like, we've seen some dysfunctional franchises who win. Not often, because usually dysfunctional franchises don't win. But we have seen outliers where there have been bad owners or, 
there have been, you know, rumblings of, you know, kind of chaos, but the teams played well and it's looked at as a destination across all sports. The Knicks, you know, that was after they beat the Rockets and RJ Barrett, the number three overall pick who they're hoping does become that face of the franchise hits a game winning shot over Russell Westbrook. And that's what you should be talking about. And instead that's not even mentioned. It's crazy. It's crazy to me. And I don't blame you for being beaten down because you know what? The Nets are irrelevant. Nobody cares about the Nets, at least not this year. And even if they win, they're never going to be the story. But I'll be fine with some with just being a terrible team. But at least, you know, they're not this. And in some cases, it's worse to be what the Knicks are. Oh, it's a thousand times worse because they're just the laughing stock of the NBA. I don't care how much money they're worth. It's a three-plus billion dollar franchise, right? But... It doesn't matter. They're they're a complete laughing stock, and I don't care how much they're worth. I can't afford them. The GoFundMe is stagnant, Sean. We should be plugging that more. I don't really care. Oh, fuck you. Um, But, yeah, I mean, clearly it doesn't matter what they do on the court when this guy's the owner because they can't get any talent to come here. They can't evaluate talent well. They're signing, you know, seven power forwards in the offseason and telling their coach that they want to make the playoffs, and that's the goal. And, you know, they're not developing young talent either. So what are they doing well? Nothing. Nothing. But I do have a question for you. Because I've kind of debated this with some other Knicks, friends of my, Knicks fan friends of mine. And do they, are they, remember when Kevin Durant came out and said, you know, the Knicks are just not a cool thing? Now, are they not cool because all they do is lose? Or are they not cool because they don't have other components that other teams have? You know, like, when you think of the Warriors, right, over the last few years, they've been really cool. You know, Oracle Arena has some kind of buzz to it now, the Chase Center. And, yeah, are they helped by the fact they have they had Curry and Durant and Thompson and Draymond? Sure, right? They won a lot. But there's just something cool about them, right? This Clippers team, right? They, they just seem cool. Even last year. And the Nets, the Nets have one of those images. It's like, you know, they're the Brook, they're the Brooklyn Nets. They, they are only Brooklyn. They're trying to be that. They got the black and white. And there's a lot of teams in the league that just seem cool. And the Knicks are not one of them. Is it simply because they suck or is it because they don't have anything else that other, that players across the league or other teams possess? I think it's a mixture of both. Um, I mean, uh, the Knicks, in my opinion, just rests on their laurels. This is Madison Square Garden. It's the mecca of basketball. It's New York City. This is the greatest place to play. And they don't, they don't do any. They don't have those cool vibes because they don't do a good job marketing. They don't do clearly don't do a good job with PR. They don't do a good job in embracing some of the city. Um, they don't do any of that stuff off the court, and then they turn around and they're a terribly run franchise when it comes to things on the court, like player development, keeping players, um, trading shit for Christoph Porzingis to clear cap space to sign guys that you never actually sign and then sign a bunch of trash power forwards. I mean, the list goes on, but I think it's probably, you know, 80% the fact that they don't win games and 20% that they just don't care. They're resting on their laurels and trying to use New York City as a platform that it is. 
And players love going there as an away team, but it doesn't really seem to do anything come free agent time. It's so interesting, right? And I, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. And, you know, from, from a non-Knicks fan standpoint, you know, I do think that there's something that's cool about the Knicks. When you watch the late 90s or the early 90s, mid-90s Knicks, when you see LJ's four-point play, you know, the Garden is a different feel. And when the Knicks are great, I mean, none of those teams never even won a championship. And there, you know, there's documentaries and movies, you know, about those teams. And so I do think that they could just have that on their own. But they don't have an identity really at all. And in the wrong positions. And at the end of the day, he just creates a terrible culture. I mean, if your only argument is that he spends money, I mean, you still have to build a culture and, and you still have to do what these teams have done. I mean, the Warriors, who were not the laughing stock of the NBA, but they were never a great team. I mean, what did they win? I don't even remember if they had a championship. They may have won one way back in the day, but I can't remember. Um, they weren't a great team, but then a new owner picked them, a new owner bought them, brought some new things into it. Um, and then, you know, they took really good care of Curry and they figured out just with a good medical staff and just having a good culture how he could stay healthy and they built that team around him. Same thing with the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, what, you turn back the clock three years ago, no free agent, they would have even, you know, dreamt about it. It would have been a nightmare for them to ever go to Brooklyn. They turn things around, they build a culture there slowly but surely and now look at them. They got two, the two highest prizes of last free agency. And you can go up and down and look at teams like that. I mean, the Lakers, it just seems like it's never stopped. But with the Knicks, if you're going to tell me he spends money, great. Why can't he do what he does with the New York Rangers? You don't well, see him the, banning fans and throwing them out. You never hear about that. Well, they're two very different sports. and that's. I and understand that's the, the fact that they're very different sports, but at the end of the day, the way he runs the Rangers and the way he runs the Knicks are two totally different things. I, I mean, think he's just... Uh, oh, no, go ahead. At the end of the day, he just keeps he needs to keep his nose out of things, hire good profession not hire Phil Jackson to be a player development but guy. Nobody ever thought that that was going to be that bad. Nobody ever thought that. Nick no. fans were ecstatic when they hired him. Listen, I agree with you. I was happy too, but at the same time like you held on to him too long and then you let him and then just to be spiteful you let him make decisions right before you fired him that are going to impact the franchise for I don't know how long's Donovan Mitchell's career going to be the next 20 years not to mention if you want to go back a little bit further the Isaiah Thomas debacle No I, listen it's been a really bad run it, it's just you know I appreciate Dolan for his loyalty to some of these guys I really do but I mean, there's just no culture there. He's just a complete... The team needs to be sold. It's just so weird, because, right, when you mentioned the Rangers, the, the thing with the Rangers is is he's brought... He's paid the most money to bring in the quote-unquote best guys available. And the reason that a lot of them want to go there and work for him is because they know that the the easy part of attracting free agents, you know, like Panarin this year, you're going to get – your cell is Madison Square Garden, New York City, and winning 
and, and the chance to win in front of one of the greatest fan bases in the NHL. Well, not to mention then, he gets the guys in the front office for the Rangers that can go out and get those guys because they're smart, savvy hockey guys, and he stays the hell out of the way. No, he doesn't. He's more involved. Everybody says that he's much more involved in the day-to-day hockey decisions than he is in basketball. The problem is, is basketball is these guys aren't looking just for that. They actually, especially the top stars, the stars who are already solidified, the stars that are trying to come here like a Kevin Durant or a Kyrie Irving, they don't want to, they don't just care about winning at Madison Square Garden in front of Knicks fans. They care about how are you going to help me in business ventures? What are you going to do for my brand domestically and overseas? How am I going to take me being a basketball player for the New York Knicks and transcend that? In hockey, that's not that's not even a thought. It's very much like baseball. It's a regional sport. So it's not even a decision-making thing. It's, to your point, the culture in a hockey organization is, listen, we, we think that the Rangers will always be a, 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 a popular destination for top players because of what it sells. And we the Knicks, on the other hand, you know, all those things that go outside of basketball, like you said, they don't exist. But every time something like this happens, it doesn't matter who you bring in. It, it doesn't, it's not going to change the fact that everything looks bad and all the time. And that's the problem. I don't know what, how they're going to fix it other than Dolan just, it's not even day to day things with Dolan as far as, you know, on the court decisions. It's literally everything off the court that can go wrong goes wrong. Yeah, the only answer is at this point he's 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 done clearly everything he can, and he's just when it comes to the Knicks, a complete asshole and an imbecile. But just sell the team, hold on to Madison Square Garden, hold, make a quick couple of Billy, and hold on to the Rangers, and just sell the Knicks. I mean, I don't I don't see how complicated this is. You can still have all your musical acts there. Billy Joel can still play there. Jesus, what thirty times a year, whatever he does. He just doesn't want to sell, man, and and he doesn't have to. That's the hardest part with all. Absolutely, players. absolutely. But that's enough of that. Let's stop. Let's stop talking about one of the last place teams. That's again probably not going to get a great draft pick, although it's a weak draft anyways compared to the last years and whatnot. Let's move on to some MVP talk. It's a two horse race at this point between LeBron, who statistically he's having one of the best years of his career, having a good defensive year, leading the league in assists by, I think, a full assist. Um, and his plus-minus, I believe, is like a full couple points above Giannis. But Giannis is obviously having another repeat year as well. Who's your MVP then? I want to take Giannis just because... I think he's taking his game to the next level. I think LeBron live LeBron is honestly it's just one of those things where it's like Michael Jordan where we've seen greatness so much you want more. So I don't know. I I you know what? I'm going to change it. I'm going to go with LeBron. I think that's unfair. Okay, so aside from that, why? Why why would you just change your mind? Because he obviously is great. You can make a case for LeBron to be MVP basically every year except for last year. Why for everything you just said about about Giannis, why are you, why are you going to LeBron? Because I think what I think LeBron changes something every year. He's decided to become a better playmaker, and this isn't one of those like 
Will Chamberlain was just like, one year I'm going to lead the league in assists, passing up layups for fucking a guy taking a, there was no three-point line back then, a guy taking a long two and then getting pissed at them for missing it and just being spiteful. LeBron is legitimately running this team so well, as well as the fact that he ratchets up the defense when it needs to be ratcheted up. They're the number one team in the West, in the Western Conference, a much tougher conference, and his P, his PR and all that stuff are just so far above. I think he's having one of the best years of his career. Not to mention the fact that what is a year seventeen for him? Yeah, and he looks like it's year, you know, nine ten. Well, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, right? I mean, him not having to play all those games last year was probably the, a blessing in disguise for him and the Lakers. Nothing's better than rest for, for him with all these minutes under his belt. He's going to go over 60,000 minutes. I don't know if anybody's ever played that much. I mean, Jordan, you had the couple hiatuses that he took off. LeBron, all he took off was half a season, and it's continued greatness. I mean, the guy's probably never had a bad game in his career. He's having a great season, and he's my MVP. Yeah, well, you convinced me. I, I mean, I, I, I was on the LeBron camp anyway, and I was kind of looking forward to debating you on it when you said Giannis. But just to go to the other side, you know, I think this is about as close as you can get as far as an MVP conversation because what LeBron's done this year is take the, oh, well, he's MVP every year, really to the next level, right? To, to expound upon what you said, I think he took a guy in Anthony Davis, so is Anthony Davis a top five player when healthy? I think, you know, you could you could say yes. And if not five, definitely seven. But he's had his own playoff, you know, failures. Or he's been the best player on a lot of teams and has not even gotten to the postseason. And LeBron has just straight up made him better. He's made Anthony Davis into a much better player at based off of the level of play LeBron's been at. So I'll say that as another point of emphasis for, for his MVP candidacy. But, you know, let's look at Giannis, right? So I think the Bucks are, what, 52-9? and nine? Something like that? Yeah, I don't think they've crossed the, uh, the 10 I know they don't have 10 double losses. Digit. I'm trying, yeah, I'm trying to remember how many wins it is, how many games they've played. But they have nine losses, and it's early March. So... He is the East down, sure. You know, Philly's not what we thought they were. Boston's been good. You know, Toronto's been very good. Miami's had moments. Uh, Miami actually handed them that eighth, that ninth loss the other night. But I watched this team play, and their second-best player is Chris Middleton. Now, they have a lot of really nice supporting players. They have Middleton. They have Wes Matthews. they got the Lopez twins. They have some really nice players on this team. DiVincenzo's good. Um, but Giannis is just on another level. He is better than he was last year. Uh, and it's not irrefutable to me. Uh, he's, he's done what every former MVP who's lost early in the playoffs does, who, who's going to be destined for greatness. He's gotten better. And I don't give a shit what conference you're playing. You're 50, you're, you're nine losses at this point. That's insane to me. And he balls out every single night. There are no off nights for him. Remember, they lost Brogdon, and a lot of people said Chris Middleton can't be the second best team on a, or player on a championship team. If you've got Giannis, yeah, he, he might be able to be. And that's crazy to me to think. Um, 
I think LeBron will win. I I I would give LeBron my vote, but not easily. Uh, Giannis is Giannis is unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. But we need to see him in playoff time. We know LeBron will be in playoff time. I know this is a regular season award, but let's also not pretend that the playoffs don't you know cloud our vision a little bit. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I mean, it is a regular season award, which is why Russell Westbrook won and James Harden won. But yeah, I got to give it to LeBron. He's just been amazing. And, and, you know, one thing too, dude, I don't know if you'll agree with this or even have thought about it, and I want to get your take on it after I say it. This year, it's been it's been tough, obviously, with the Kobe passing last a month and a half ago now. And the NBA is at a crossroads now, right, where some a lot of the, the, the last generation of great players are starting to kind of – either retire or fade away or not be as great and or taking new chapters in their careers and you're starting to pave the way to Zion and and Luca and John Morant and guys like that Trey Young and Giannis even to hidden but LeBron is the face of the NBA he is the ambassador of the sport and just how he handled the whole Kobe thing you know passing him in this on the scoring list uh the night before Kobe passed in Philly and sent out that gracious tweet and then you know giving the speech at Staples Center and he's not a Laker I mean he's a Laker now but he's not a lifelong Laker but it doesn't matter who he plays for he is the he is the NBA and I know that shouldn't matter but to me, I think that's a huge factor and another thing to put on his record for this season. Do you, do you agree with any of that? Yeah, I absolutely do. Um, I mean, I don't think LeBron honestly gets enough credit. Uh, the guy's been in the public eye since he was probably, what, 15 years old, and the worst thing he's ever done is the decision. That's pretty good because I can tell you from 15 on, if I was in the public eye, I would have gotten a lot more shit. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to imagine a better a better guy, and he's not to mention playing as well as he's ever played in his entire career. Yeah, absolutely. And you're 17. It's crazy. Well, another guy who's playing great is this year's number one overall pick. And God, have I loved watching Zion play? What are your takeaways from watching him for the first month plus that he's been playing? As advertised, I don't know how else to say it, uh, might even be better. His second jump is just incredible. The way he throws that body around his first step, he just blows by anybody that's guarding him. And if there's anybody that's guarding him that's quick, he's just going to run right through you. I don't know how you stop this guy. He's grabbing rebounds over seven footers um, on putbacks and offensive rebounds. Um, He's incredible. And he's got some good touch as well. He has been at, he has been as advertised. You're the only right. thing I will say is he makes me a little when he runs up and down the floor he makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he runs awkward. he runs like he's playing a game at the Y and he's just a little winded because he tried to lock somebody up on defense. It's awkward. He but then but then you know once the play develops and he gets into that that the pain area or whatever he just looks like something we've never seen before athletically. He's just he flips a switch. 
he's just, you know, there's not a real comparison. Everybody says kind of Barkley, but I don't think Barkley was – this guy is just something different that we've never – we really haven't seen him before. And Barkley wasn't – Barkley was a great rebounder, especially for probably being six foot four. I believe he was listed at six foot six. He wasn't an above-the-rim player, though. Oh, no. Like this, no, no, no. where his head's, his shoulder's basically at the rim. He's a he's a beast. Yeah, he's an absolute beast. And, and he's 19 years old. He's 19 years old, and he's got the Pelicans fighting for a playoff spot. And I don't care if they play the Lakers and lose in four. That'll I be a fun series. Absolutely. Playoff series. Yeah. And give some of the other guys on that team credit too. Lonzo's playing really well. His jumper has improved immensely. Whoever his jumper coach is, they should probably send him to Markel Fultz. Um, as well as Ingram's obviously been there all season. And Drew Holiday's a staple. They're a nice team. They're a fun team. Yeah, I had him as my eighth seed. Not a big deal. I'm rooting for him. Well, of course. And, you know, it's a shame that we missed Zion for the first, what, three months of the year but he is just so amazing and and i hope for nothing more than him to stay healthy and i love absolutely what Gentry, the head coach said like no he's gonna play back to backs he's gonna play he's 19 years old there will be no load management for him which is thank god that we have somebody like this because he's not gonna get hurt because he's tired no his, he's gonna his get hurt because of something else if his body breaks down he could play all 82 games, or he could play 42 games. It's not going to matter. But I want to see him play. Everybody wants to watch the Pelicans play because of him. They're fighting for a playoff spot. Fuck everything else and let him play. Again, he's 19 years old. Like, this is fine. Um, yeah, I've loved watching him play. Did you Did you watch him and Luca the other night? I, I watched a little bit of that. Um, I, I got to see the highlights. A ton of fun. Him and Luca are the future of the NBA with a few other guys. With that being said now, are you going to go full body of work, John Morant, for Rookie of the Year? Or if Zion keeps this up, which it doesn't seem like anybody can stop him, is he going to make a late push for it even though he missed, what, like 30-some-odd games? I think he missed more than that. But, yeah. Um, it's I'll, a season I'll award. I'm going to go Ja. I'll He's been great all year. Here. I'll say whoever whoever gets the eighth seed. Okay. Well, they're both fighting for the same seed, so that'll be that's, interesting. That's how I feel about it. I mean, I think if Zion could get the Pelicans there uh, after not playing till late January, I think that, yeah, he catapults out. And if Ja gets the Grizzlies there, I mean, the Grizzlies, what they did to my Nets last night was just brutal. They absolutely killed, it, killed the Nets. I think they won by 34 or 41, something like that. And Ja was really good. He wasn't great, but he's just – he's all over every play. And he he has brought stability and excitement to a franchise that doesn't usually have that or hasn't had it, you know, in about eight, nine years. So I'll, I'll wait to see who gets the eight seed, and, and I'll play it off of that. They both are worthy of it, though. They're both so exciting and so fun. So are you running for any type of office? Said like a true fucking politician. I'm not. Um, I just want to see who gets it because they seriously though, right? Like it's hard for me to give it to Zion when Jaw's been playing all year. That's but why I'm giving Zion, it to Jaw. 
Right, but it, but if, if Zion gets them past the Grizzlies to the eight seed, and we know it would literally only be because of him, how do I how do I say no to him? It's a regular season award, though. So no, no, but you're getting to the playoffs. That's a good one point. of these teams is going to make the playoffs. The other one is not, most likely. So if Zion brings the Pelicans there, then yeah, I'm probably going to vote for him because without him, I don't think that they were going to be a playoff team. They certainly weren't playing like it. And if Ja holds him off and, and the Grizzlies get there, then I'm going to have to give it to Ja because no way the Grizzlies would have gotten there without him. Yeah. I'm not voting off the playoff experience. who gets there. No, you're right about that. All right, so... They're in the interesting situation of basically deciding each other's fate. Definitely an interesting position. I'm still going to stick with Ja just because he played the entire season and he's been... Almost just as good as Zion. Um, let's move on to some college basketball, my friend. Um, okay. You told me UConn is uh, did a little upset on Houston, who is in the top 25. Yeah, big win on senior night. That was a very impressive win. UConn's been playing real well lately. Yeah, I cried after that win. So Yeah, sounds like it. <laughs> who do you think are the teams that are going to do something in the tournament this year? I have no idea. Okay. Um, I honestly am like... Kentucky's there, right, every year. You, you know Kentucky can make a run. They've had years where they weren't nearly as dominant as years past, where they've gone to the Final Four or championship game. Um, I know how you feel about Calipari. I don't know what this Dayton team is. They've been absolutely awesome. But I, I poo-pooed Dayton, Dayton last time on the pod, then I watched the game, and I think they're they're the real deal, especially with this so guy who, OBI. Who'd they, who'd they play that, that you know wowed you? It wasn't just it wasn't who they were playing because they're I, what conference are they in the A ten? Yeah. Um, it's just the way they move the ball. They're they're blowing teams out like it's nobody's business. Um, and I, I just think they're poised to make a run. Okay. So I mean, yeah, I I'm looking at their schedule. They don't, you know, they have some some decent wins against some good mid majors, but they don't they don't have any big time wins recently. I want to see out of the Big 12 between Kansas and Baylor. I know Baylor's been there all year, but... That's Kansas, you know. man. Just watching them recently. Talk about a grown man. I mean, have you seen the guy Azubuke on their team? Yeah, I've watched him this year. He's, He's insane. Been... And then they he have is. some good guard play as well from a guy, uh, Devin Dotson. He's pretty good. Um, he runs the team pretty well. I, I think Kansas is going to be a run for them this year, which sucks because that's a Will Smith fraud team. Um, what, are you, what are your so? Who are your four best teams? Who are your four number one seeds? My four number one seeds prior to conference play or conference tournament play, obviously. Kansas has got to be in there. I mean, the top you go about the top four right now: Kansas, Gonzaga, Dayton, Baylor. I, I just can't throw Dayton in there just because their strength of schedule is so weak. So I'd have to go Kansas, Gonzaga, Baylor, who's had a really good year. Whoa, whoa hold up, hold up. You're gonna take you're gonna take Dayton out, but you're gonna keep Gonzaga in? Who does Gonzaga play? Gonzaga just you know, they have a history of being great. Oh I don't know if that's a good enough reason. They don't play anybody either. Yeah, you're right about that. And the one team they did play was 15th ranked BYU and lost by about 15. See, that's my question is like, you don't, I I think 
Maryland was in that conversation. But again, I mean, I'm looking at their schedule now. They beat Michigan. Oh no, they lost to Michigan. Fuck, I got no, I got no case for them here. See, that's the interesting part about this year. There is no dominant team, and even you know, we headed, we're heading into the conference tournaments. You know, they're going to start up the big ones anyway. Are starting next week, so you're going to have your Big Ten and your your uh, SEC and your ACC and Big 12 and Pac-12. I mean, is there anybody out there that is even in contention for a top seed? I don't think so, right? No, Duke fell way out. Arizona's not in there, so Oregon's not in there. So you're going to have – you might have two out of the Big 12. Oh, we're talking about Pac-12? Pac-12's got nobody. Right. So then you go to the eight, you know, I was, I just said the big 12, you know, then you go over to the big 10. I mean, the big 10 is probably the deepest conference this year. I think they're going to put about nine, eight or nine teams in. You know how I feel about that. I do. But is there a team out of there? That's absolutely the best. No. Michigan's had some really nice moments. Maryland's probably been the best team, but they've had losses. I mean, I don't know. What Seven Michigan's of them. Michigan State, Izzo, uh, they're not – I don't think they're a number one seed. No, so not at go, all. Then you go down to the SEC, you got Kentucky, maybe. If, had, the way the way Kentucky gets in is if they run the table and they win convincingly in every single game in the SEC tournament. Okay. and let's, So let's just you know hope for that because I don't know if Dayton can – can secure one no matter what they do in the A-10 tournament, even though the A-10 has some nice teams. This is a very interesting, weird year. It really is. I mean, I I don't know, like, where those classic upsets are coming from because I don't know how good even the power teams are. Yeah, I think, honestly, it's a Kansas year. I mean, it's up there on a silver platter for them now, right? Absolutely. And they have the most dominant player in college basketball, most likely. So, you know, Bill Self, big time cheater. He's got to. He's got to get time. a second. He's got to get a second national title this year. Yeah, no, I think it's. I think it's win it all or bust. I mean, not like they're going to fire him, but in my opinion, who's your number one out of the Big East? Is it Seton Hall? Yeah, it's definitely Seton Hall. Not even close. Miles Powell is a player of the year candidate. He's great, and they're just the best team by far. Creighton's been pretty good as well, and then Villanova's obviously tucked in there at number 14, but I think Seton Hall's better than both of them this year. Nova's probably a two-seed, right? So you'd say that they Uh, get at least a three-seed? Three-four, man. Unless they win that Big East tournament. Yes, right? well, then we're talking about two to three. Absolutely. What if they get to the final and lose in a tough one? Uh, probably a three seed. Okay. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, these are these are all teams that are capable of doing a lot of damage. I I think this year is going to – this tournament's going to be – A lot of parity, want, my friend. If you want great games and really tight games down the wire games and buzzer beaters, this might be the best year because we just talked about Kansas and Baylor being two of the best teams. I'm not sold on either of them. 
I agree with you completely. That's the one problem with Kansas is that they they can go stagnant on offense. It's yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. Obviously, we'll have it. We'll have better clarity by the by selection Sunday when a lot of the tournament when all the tournaments are done and we've gotten to see teams get to run a table or really make a statement in their conference tournament. But ah, as of right now, I don't feel any more secure about these teams than I did when conference play opened in the beginning of January. Yeah, no, not at all. We're going to have to see how the tournaments shake out. Obviously the conference tournaments. Um, I mean, I can, what are your most under the radar teams likely to make a run teams that nobody is, is talking about. Um, I mean, is that outside of the top 25 or teams within it? Because I, I really like BYU. Okay. No, that counts. I really like BYU. Obviously, I'm never going to give up on my guys, Auburn. No, Auburn. Auburn's capable of winning every game. I am a huge Auburn fan. You know that. Um, and then, honestly, when it comes to the tournament, you're, you're looking at teams that have an established player that's not scared and that can get you a bucket at any time. That's why I'm pretty high on Seton Hall. I really like Miles Powell, and I don't think he's scared. Well, that's a good recipe. Kentucky I like as well because they have three young guards that can, again, I said they can create on or off the dribble, and they can really fill it up, and they have one of the best big men in the country. That I mean, those are always recipes, right, to, to advance. I, I was going to say a team like a BYU, a senior-laden team. I Honestly, that, I would not be shocked if BYU found its way into the Final Four somehow. There's, there's always there's always that one surprise team, you know? And I know they're ranked 15th, so they wouldn't be that much of a surprise, but I don't think anybody expects them to run the table and go all the way to the Final Four. One team I would look for is Tulsa. Okay. Tulsa is a, a pretty good team. Um, you know, the AAC... It's not everybody's favorite league, but listen, bro. Huge. UConn's moving back to the Big East next year. You don't have to plug the AAC on this spot. Oh, trust me, I'm not plugging it. I, I, I trust. I have no interest in plugging that in that conference. But there are good teams out of it. Cincinnati's good. Um, Houston, you know, even though they lost tonight on the road at UConn, they're they're still very capable of winning the tournament. And um, but Tulsa's been very good all year, and they're going to win the uh, AAC outright regular season wise. And uh, they got some players on that team that they kind of remind me of SMU from a few years ago that you might have one or two pros, but there's no dominant player, but they play really physical. They've got some shooters. And I think that they're a team that if they can sneak past their first two games, you know, that's a team that can get to an elite eight or final four. Okay. They All right. they need a lot of things to break for them, but they could they could have that recipe, and they're they're very well coached too. All right. I, I I'd like to see I'd like to see that happen just for your sake. Um. Again, when the conference tournaments are all over and it's all said and done, me and you will do a bracket again. Maybe we'll actually get it up on the website this year, which That'd be nice. I've been checking lately. It's been doing hot. We should probably put out an article or something up there. Yeah, we should. Um. All right, why don't we jump into some pop culture. Uh, Super Tuesday came and went. It was an interesting one, my friend. couple dropouts, which I guess you could say were expected, um, just because usually after Super Tuesday, a few people drop out. Bloomberg dropped out. He endorsed um, Joe Biden. Biden. 
And then today, I think the news came down that Elizabeth Warren dropped out, and I, I don't know how she phrased it, but she's holding out on who she's going to endorse. I, I don't know what that means. I think she's going to go Sanders because I think his, I guess, values better align with hers. But, I mean, maybe she's just waiting to see who gives her the better deal. She hates him, though. So I know she funny. hates him personally, and she's talked a lot of shit about him, but they see eye to eye on a lot of shit. Yeah, they're the more, uh, you know, democratic socialist, quote unquote. Um, you're right. Well, we're down to two now between Biden and War- uh, and um, and Sanders. And honestly, man, this first Super Tuesday, we've still got two more weeks to go uh, of states, but. This Biden thing looked absolutely done two weeks ago. Yeah, I was shocked with the turnaround. Obviously not as shocked as uh, Election Day back in 2016, but this was one of the more shocking things when it comes to to elections and politics I've seen in a while. A lot of people who I... I, I, Because he was dead in the water. He was. A lot of people whose opinions I trust and who know much more about politics than myself you know, they mentioned that the reason people seem to be rallying behind Biden is he's the one who could actually beat Trump. Yeah, and the of one course. Who could actually get the Senate and get the Senate back blue. It's the only logical reason why. Yeah, because Bernie, you know, he has his base and he has his supporters. I'm sure you and I both know a tremendous amount of our contemporaries that are Bernie all the way. But he doesn't have the ability to galvanize any other pockets of, of, of you know the population no because he's he's too far to the left very far to the Where left these people you, that are on the fence are just like uh, you know they're caught in the middle and they're just like all right i'm gonna go with the the more democratic realistic 2020 centrist. yeah candidate and you know i'm not gonna jump from the far right to the far left like that well, I don't think anybody in the far right is even is looking anywhere close to to the Democrats. But I, no, I'm talking know. about people that are more in the middle. Oh yeah, well, I mean, I think the people in the middle, you know, you're going to be feeling a certain way about our current president, and you you're going to look at either Biden or Sanders and say, Ugh, and you know, we'll just keep what we've got if that's good enough for you. But it's um. It's going to be very fascinating because the people who love Bernie absolutely love him. He's like a cult hero, but nothing he says that's going to get done is going to get done. I don't think he has the ability to get the Senate back, and that's really the biggest thing. And, you know, Biden, he's got a lot of flaws. He's got a lot of flaws, but he – he might be able to be the one that gets those people in the middle, like you said, to say, you know what, what we have really isn't right. But sign me up for three or four debates between Biden and Trump, please. Like right now, like that would be that. I think that's the way it's going to go. And, and, you know, I think we can prep ourselves for that. And if somehow Biden ends up winning the whole damn thing, it would be one of the greatest comebacks we've ever seen. Because like you said, he was dead in the water. I mean, I, I think the the fact that Bloomberg just pissed himself left and right in the two weeks he really was like campaigning 
and debating, like you really can't do worse than what he did. So that no, all the money in the world can't help you out when you're up on that stage. No, and it's just it's weird too. Like it's interesting just because he's. It's not like he's like Mayor Pete, where it's like I was mayor of South Bend, Indiana. You know, out of nowhere, like this guy's been in prestigious offices before. He's won these offices, and it looks like he's never spoken in public before in his life. Yeah, well, he's definitely not in a debate forum, that's for sure, at least to a national level. And you're right, no money can't buy anything. But you know, for to see all of these dropouts, you know endorsing biden it definitely goes to show you know that sanders is not well liked amongst a lot of the real a lot of the real serious democrats and that's that's a big problem and that one that's going to get a lot of people to to look at and, and be concerned about absolutely man i'm looking forward to the next couple anything else you got going on in pop culture oh my god this this curb your enthusiasm season has just been tremendous. Yeah, I missed the most recent episode. I got to catch up on that, but I I've definitely been enjoying it. It's been hilarious. It's been so good. breath of fresh uh, air from everything else going on in the world. It, it has been. I I've absolutely loved it. I almost um, wish that they filmed it after the whole Corona epidemic to see how he would <laughs> react to that. I'm sure that. You know, we'll get some kind of Larry David content about it. Um, but no, this season's been great. That's really the show I've been watching, and, and every week I look forward to it. How about you? Obviously, Curb. I've been watching The Outsider as well on uh, HBO. That's a good show. Um, I don't know if this is disrespect towards it, but I fell asleep during the last, like, 20 minutes of it, so i got to rewatch it. Um, and then I watched that new show that um, – show – I sound like I'm Canadian now. The new show well, that um quite the accent. <laughs> yeah, right. Um it's on Amazon. I forgot the name of it, but um the guy from Keenan Peel that did uh Get Out, Jordan Peel his name is. Got that name right, fucker. Wow. Um Look at with you. Uh, Al Pacino in it. I saw the first oh, episode uh, of that. Hunters? Yes, yes, yes. Very interesting. I would definitely recommend. It's good. Yeah, it is good. You know, there's been a Nazi resurgence. Not saying, uh, I, I'm not saying that I'm rooting for the Nazi party or anything, but there's been a Nazi like show resurgence. You know what I mean? There's been a Nazi resurgence. I should just title. I should rename our pod. That, honestly, I should just rename the pod the Nazi resurgence. <laughs> That's definitely the name of this episode. But there's there's a lot of mo- there's a couple movies coming out soon and there's a few shows out there and it's just all about fucking Nazis. Oh shit, that was so good. Oh, uh, I think on that note we can call it, right? Yeah, absolutely. We'll be back at some point next week. We'll be back at some point next week. Best of luck with coronavirus and any kind of Nazi research. Yeah, watch out for those Nazis, everybody. <laughs> Later, buddy.